place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where the no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now Was wrong. We are not these bodies alone in a dream. Hello, comic book fans! Welcome to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 183, where we recommend and lovingly review the best of the new comic books that just came out. New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, November 11th. In this particular podcast, is dedicated to Stan the Man Lee. He gave us so much inspiration, so much love and energy on just all the comic books, the amazing comic books that he created over the years. He filled our lives with hope and wonder. You will be missed, but your legacy, Stan Lee, is eternal. Thank you, Stan, and we dedicate this one to you. I'm joined again by my special guest co-host, Ian. How's it going, Ian? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent, man. I can't wait to get in here and talk about all these new comics, right? Oh, definitely. Excellent. Well, I am your friendly neighborhood comic book host here on this podcast, Chris Latori, here with my, my co-host, Ian. Uh, we hope that all is well with you and yours. That's what's most important. Right, Ian? Oh, absolutely. Family is number one. Yes, and all the holidays coming up around the corner. Are you ready? I'm ready. I guess I'm ready. <laughs> uh, so please hit the subscribe button to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Check out all of our past podcasts and our giant podcast feed and please follow us on instagram twitter facebook xbox live youtube all in one place at sunspots comics and where can they find you ian uh i'm on twitter uh at ian d yarrington right and you do some writing as well where can they find you there with your writing on comic book reviews yeah i do comic reviews on comic booked and that's b-o-o-k-e-d like you got booked booked yeah (laughs) and of course i always start the show with some humble thank yous most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Thank you so much for listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. We really appreciate it. Whether it's your first time trying us out or you're a Sunspots Comics loyalist, seriously, we both thank you for choosing the Sunspots Comics Podcast, right? Absolutely, and uh, you got plenty to choose from. There's 180-something episodes here, so nice. dig in. Dig in. Well said. Thank you to my friend Nick Papa George for the singing of our sweet Sunspots Comics theme song. Please check out his solo singing stuff on facebook.com slash popds with a z and his band solution at facebook.com slash solution reggae you listened to that stuff recently right you listened to nick what'd you think yeah i went to his facebook page and you know i uh, kind of partial to the uh the reggaeton type uh laid back style that they got going on i really like it i'm totally with you yes if you love that you love reggae and rock and guitar-based music just infused together, then you're going to love the sounds of my friend Nick Papa George and his band Solution. So check them out, and thank you, Nick. And also thank you to our sponsor, Pop-Up Tea. Check out their giant selection of nerdy t-shirts at popuptea.com. They've got it all. Did you check them out, Ian? I did. I checked them out, and uh, man, nothing better than a good nerdy t-shirt, right? Right, and they've thought of everything. There isn't anything there that uh, is missing. 
you know, from Zelda to comic books to video games to, you know, to comic books, everything. It's all there. It's just, I couldn't believe it. But yeah, what, ugly, uh, ugly holiday shirts. Oh, man. Nothing yes, infused, infused with Star Wars and everything nerdy you can imagine, right? But most importantly, go to popuptea.com and use the promotional code Sunspots Comics and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order, even the clearance stuff, which are only like eight, nine, or ten bucks. So thank you, popuptea.com. So now let's make a giant superhero landing sound effect into the Sunspots Comics Podcast issue 183, starting out with some stuff that's been floating around in our nerd brains. The first nugget of nerd just floating around inside of our nerdy brains is the passing of the legend Stan Lee. Well, how did, how did you react when you heard the news, Ian? Well, uh, with his age, it, it wasn't like a huge surprise. And I know that his health had been going downhill. So I kind of knew that it was going to be sooner than later. And uh, yeah, I just kind of hoped that everything happened um, peacefully and that he, you know, didn't have to suffer too much. And, you know, he if, if anybody lived a long, uh, healthy, cherished life, that sure was Stan, you know. We need to put him in that hyperbaric chamber with Walt Disney so that we can just wake them up in the year 3000 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, seriously, when we have the cure for death, you know. Right, or put his brain into a jar like in Futurama. You know, it it, it, it writes itself. We need to – but, yeah, I I, <laughs> I even laid out my, my own thoughts and some personal moments uh, that I had with Stan – on a special Sunspots Comics podcast on the feed, which is titled Remembering Stan. So please check it out. It's just a heartfelt sort of dedication and tribute and my thoughts and a couple of shared memories that I have of Stan, so you should definitely uh, check it out. Um, But did you also hear, uh, Ian, the news that the media announced recently that Stan had a very private, very closed, very quiet uh, small funeral on Friday, which were his wishes? I... I think that's lovely that it was respected and that he, you know, he had those services done his way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is we can always go back uh, and, you know, we can honor him in so many different ways as fans and as people that that aren't like, you know, close family that that deserve their own time to grieve and to mourn, you know. I agree. And I I know there the media is already all media outlets are already talking that there will be multiple tributes that are being created in various kinds of ways. But I'm exactly. glad that they yeah, I'm glad they didn't. Or somehow, or whoever it is, they didn't find a way to turn his services into a spectacle. You know that those are really his wishes, and they honored that. That I think that's important. You know. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, and, and not just for him and for his wishes, but more than likely for the family. You know, everybody close to him, they deserve that too. Yeah, and we're gonna see a ton of stuff, including Marvel announced recently that they're going to give tribute to Stanley by doing a ton of unique Marvel covers of all their issues that are coming up in the next pack of Marvel Comics uh, in the month of December and January. With a, basically every title that he either created or co-created, they will all have a special tribute cover to Stan Lee. I think that's going to be great, and I will probably be wanting to buy most of them. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, yeah that's probably going to be uh, most of the stuff on the shelves, honestly. I mean, aside from a lot of the new characters, just about every X-Men uh, oh, I can't wait to see what the Fantastic Four is going to look like. Oh, and you know they're going to get the best in the business to do the art for these covers, right? Oh, yeah, they ought to, you know. I mean, especially 
especially hyping it up like they are, I I would assume you're going to see all the heavy hitters. Wouldn't it be cool too if they if you got some of the guys that are not really into comics, but you know did a lot of art for Stan in the early days that are kind of still alive or with us or able to do art? I hope they they do that. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that would be lovely. But uh, just wanted to give another minute to Stan and his passing, and uh, you know, from me to you, Stan and the Great Beyond. Uh, we love you and we miss you and we thank you for everything and all your, your contributions to this nerdy thing that we love that are comic books, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the next thing bouncing around up inside of our weird nerdy brains is that uh, Jared Leto, he, uh, Mr. Joker himself, <laughs> he uh, recently on his Instagram and Twitter or whatnot, he, he showed that he shaved his very long bushy beard in preparation for f- the filming of Morbius, The Living Vampire, which potentially has a 2020 release. Uh, this is a film for Marvel and Sony, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, I just wanted to mention, I thought it was funny. What did you think of that when you saw him? Uh, he said, F it, and then shaved his beard off and said, Morbius is coming. Hey, you know what? Uh, that's one thing that Jared Leto can never hide. You know when they're going to be filming because he cuts his hair and he shaves his beard. <laughs> That's true. Uh, only when he's filming something does he shave. So Yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> so you, you know it's coming. They're at least going to film it. <laughs> yeah, but Morbius was, was important to me. I thought, uh, you know, like, um, like a modern-day Dracula, Morbius to me, I remember him in the Spider-Man animated series as being a really important kind of key character. That at first were at odds between him and Spider-Man and then sort of partnered up in, an, in a very odd way. And I just thought it was just very cool, a, a unique take. And I also really enjoyed the Blade character. And it was all kind of related to a modern vampire storytelling. And I, th- I just can't wait to see this film. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I've always had a soft spot for Morbius. And uh, yeah, like you said, the different take on the, on the vampire, you know, the living, the living vampire. Yeah, the Daywalker or something. Yeah, it was just something different, you know? So I always enjoyed him and always enjoyed him as a character. It'll be nice to see what they do with him on the big screen. Yeah, I really hope they spend some time to just make it look unlike other vampires and something different. They have to, because that's what Morbius means to me. It was not just a standard vampire. He looked different. There was something odd about him. His powers were a little different. So I hope they, they ride the lightning there and go with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but thank you, Jared, for giving us a heads up and shaving that giant-ass beard. <laughs> <laughs> and another thing that's uh, lodged up in our nerdy brains really good is uh, the Aquaman announcing announcement with uh, Amazon. They announced on uh, on various media outlets that Aquaman is going to be available, the film that's coming out very soon, on an early release to Amazon Prime members. I mean, they're going to get, like, if, I guess the tickets aren't for sale yet, but they will be soon. And we're going to get a five-day advanced screening of Aquaman. I was like, yes, that just made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I'm like, that is an awesome little promotional thing. I'm glad I'm a Prime member, even though I was thinking of quitting in the last couple of years. But I stayed with it. I mean, uh, do you think you'll be uh, jumping in to buy those early release tickets on Amazon? Oh, yeah, I think so, especially... Um... Uh, like we said last week, I'm just really hyped for this movie, period. So to th- to think I get to see it a little bit earlier than everybody else, yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. I guess the official date is December 21st, but then they're, the advanced actual show, they're partnering with various theaters, is going to be on December 15th. So it's actually six days in advance. 
and it'll be a seven o'clock showing, just one showing. And the tickets will be available soon on Amazon. You just they haven't announced officially even when the tickets will be for sale, but it's coming. So we got to just kind of stay on Amazon, which is not hard to do. Yeah, um, <laughs> all my money goes to Amazon. It's crazy. Yeah, but, uh, I'm super stoked. I can't wait. I've still avoided uh, the trailer. I did see the one trailer, but for the most part, I like to be trailerless and be spoilerless. So I've managed to kind of avoid it. Are you? How are you in that uh, in that area of spoilers? Oh, probably the exact opposite. I like to get <laughs> as much in as I can. <laughs> I just feel like movies are a visual medium, and if I see a bunch of the visuals, I, I don't know. I just it, it, I kind of go through this weird checklist where like, oh, I've seen that, I've seen that, seen that. Oh yeah, that's a you know. So if I I feel like if I don't lay my eyes on it, it's a little fresher and a little a little you know more surprise, if you will. So that's what I go for. When it comes to comic book movies, almost anything else I don't care. Because I'm going to see a comic book movie regardless, right? We're going to see it. Oh, yeah. So I figured if I can, I'll avoid it as much as, I, as, much as humanly possible. But uh, have you noticed that it, the, all of the Aquaman advertisements are getting more frequent? They're popping up on various things like cereals and coffees and weird stuff. Like it's really moving in on us. Yeah, you're getting closer. They they uh, rev up the campaign right towards the release. So, yeah, that makes sense. I, I haven't been seeing a lot more, though, to be honest. I'm feeling the throttle's definitely kicked up a bit. Yeah. It's definitely. But um, that's just been floating around. So, And the last thing that's floating around in my nerd brain is that I'm creating my very own comic book called Zombie Destroyers. And it's been a ton of fun. It's always been a dream of mine to just create my own comic book my way since I was a very wee little child. Um, but I created Zombie Destroyers, I'm writing it, and I'm lettering it. Please follow the Zombie Destroyers team, artist Juan Mora at Young Minded Giant, and Jordan Hudson at Skablad, and also our colorist Caroline Nalasco at Carol N. Art. But thank you to all the Zombie Destroyers team, it means so much to me that you're helping make my dream come true. And to see what Zombie Destroyers, my comic book, looks like, just go over to sunspotscomics.com and click on Zombie Destroyers to see the three colored sample pages. You saw those, didn't you, Ian? Yeah, I did. What'd you think? Oh, I love it, man. I can't wait to uh, to get everything together and, and see what you got uh, floating around in your zombie brain there. Sweet, man. Thanks. I'll, I'll pay you later for that. I appreciate it. I'll give you the <laughs> cash. <laughs> but also now a quick mention of our segment called Spotlighting. And Spotlighting is a segment on the Sunspots Comics podcast where I get to have some fantastic conversations with some fantastic comic book creators. Check out a Spotlighting interview that I'm super proud of with Interview of this comic book artist and movie director named Troy Nixie. He is an artist of a comic book that I love through Dark Horse. It's called Vinegar Teeth. We both read it and just dug it. Right, Ian? Oh, yeah. It was really, uh, it was really weird, but on yeah. uh, such a good, in such a good way, though. Right? <laughs> Odd and twisted and, yes, and just and bulbous in, at certain points. Seems like everything yep. is kind of cartoon inflated. Yep, and Vinegar Teeth himself was just the strangest, coolest character. Right, he was like a like a sack of intestines is the best way to describe the monster Vinegar Teeth. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Mr. Troy Nixie also directed a film, a movie, that was written by Guillermo del Toro. It's called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, which I really enjoyed, and I don't enjoy a lot of horror movies. Uh, but Troy and I, we talk about that and so much more. Check it out on the Sunspots Comics podcast feed with Troy Nixie. Also, check out Sunspots Comics issue 159. I interviewed a comic book creator named Nandini Bapat. Such a lovely lady. She created this heartwarming comic book about her grandfather's life. It's called Aja. you got to check that out, Ian, if you haven't seen it. Um, it's, it's lovely. 
Yeah, that sounds uh, heartwarming, definitely. Totally. And please check that out on the Sunspots Comics podcast number 159. But there is a bunch of coming and a bunch of spotlighting interviews with some great guests on our podcast feed, so please check them out. And if you work in comics or you're trying to break into the comic book industry like myself, let's have a fun chat. Send me a message and a review copy of your comic book to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com, or message me on all the social media at Sunspots Comics. And uh, also now, on to the main course, the centerpiece, the epicenter, the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is my our comic book recommendations where we share with you our favorite picks of the new comic books that just came out, new comic book day, November 14th. And just in case, light, super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alert. But really, don't worry. We just want to inspire you to go and buy these comic books. We really don't spoil them. We never discuss the last few pages. We just leave them alone, and we only discuss, just, just talk about some of the interesting points that makes up a comic book. But just in case, you've been super-duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alerted. And before we get into the comics, let's now announce this week's artist winner and cover artist winner of the week. Every week, we pick what we believe to be the best comic book art of the week. So put your eyeballs on these now. You'll be happy that you did. So here we go. This week's cover artist winner of the week, both Ian and I agreed upon this one, it's Murder Falcon, issue number two by Daniel Warren Johnson. So why don't you start and tell us a little bit about this lovely cover to Murder Falcon, issue two. Well, uh... Just as it sounds, you know, Murder Falcon, of course, uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong with a, you know, a, a badass uh, metal falcon or a metal armed falcon. So, yes. uh, of course, there's that guy, but then there's uh, the two main characters on here with their guitars and stuff. And it's just uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's art is just on a different level. He, yeah. I mean, he makes his character designs so original and so fresh, just uh, and, you know, like we were saying about the Falcon, the Falcon just looks really badass. Yeah, <laughs> like the it does. It's not to be messed with. So, yeah, I just love everything uh, Daniel Warren Johnson does. He's he's a top-notch artist. Yeah, and this this cover, uh, to me, I love just the, the, the layout of it. It has He has this sort of this kinetic energy to his art, and this cover really has it, right? With these lines that he does, these sort of action lines that just sort of lead our eye into that it's moving. And I know it's an illusion, right? Of course, it's just static imagery. But um, and you notice how, like, the lines where this this octopus creature and its tentacles are coming up, it's just these straight, streaking lines, right? Giving it the impression that it's kind of moving towards our group. And I love yeah, that. The looks on their face, you can tell that they're not exactly, uh, you know, they're not exactly comfortable with the situation, you know? Exactly, and he's he sells the emotive so perfectly on the eyes, like the bass player is just the eyes are just wide open, like deer in the headlights, and yeah, I love both, that. Both the uh, human characters, at least. Yeah, and you know, Murder Falcon's just kind of squinty, and you can't really see his eyes. But well, you know, he's he's just a little too badass for the moment, and he he uh, <laughs> he's ready to take care of business. Right, he's like feeling it, and it. See, I love how his arm in this cover is is giant, and it kind of alters size. Sometimes the arm's really small, and other times just like this giant arm. I, I just love that. But it's this black background too that really makes the the art stand out from the bright coloring in the foreground. So what a lovely cover! Uh, I I need it on everything. I don't know, I need stickers of this. I need you know. I just I just want this cover in my office near me. <laughs> yeah. So, glorious cover. It's so cool that we agreed again. 
magically on the same cover as cover artist of the winner of the week is Daniel Warren Johnson for issue number two of Murder Falcon from Image Comics. Check out this cover, guys. It's gorgeous! And this week's artist winner of the week, we actually had two. You and I had uh, our own picks. So let's go with yours first, Ian. What was your artist winner of the week? Uh, I went with Bitter Root. Um, the, the sequentials in this are just... Uh, I mean, they're on another level, and I definitely think uh, the the cover art is uh, a little bit different from the interior. Not all of it, but just a, a smidgen. And uh, it's oh, it's just so well put together. I don't even know how to explain uh, how well it's put together. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Heather Antos uh, editing and making sure that the sequentials look the way that they do. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it's just oh, it's just visually brilliant. Yeah, this is a just to give a credit, uh, Bitterroot issue number one from Image Comics, and it it gives the credit for creator as three people, uh, David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, and Sanford Green. And then towards the bottom, it actually says the cover artist is Sanford Green and Jero Wimberly. So we've got a like a collaboration of people here that all kind of made this lovely theme of kind of in the in the Depression era, somewhere in the twenties, right? Of this yeah, kind of juke, exactly. like a juke joint feel, which is another comic uh, I'm reading, by the way. And, uh, yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, and they've captured a little, a bit of that that black exploitation kind of film situation going on here. Uh, but at the same time, there's like these crazy monsters, right? There's just they're they're demons that are just all over the place on this cover, and I I do like that gray green sort of background color he gives to them, which really kind of you know shows their a distance away from them. So the foreground really pops where we've got the one woman, I forget her name, and she's geared up with a staff, which I love that I'm a sucker for a woman with a staff. And he looks like a, he's kind of an older, oldie time ghostbuster with a sort of gun with a green fluid on the top of it. And it's just a great little action scene and a great little impending doom behind them uh, for Bitterroot issue number one. So I, I, I loved it too, but that's uh, um, gorgeous. Do you have anything else to add about this art? Yeah, I think the um, the way that he the way that he portrays the time period, I think, is really uh, it's really on. Yeah, it's he really sells on it. point. Yeah, he definitely sells the time period, and not just with like buildings and backgrounds, but with character design, which to me is probably most important is the character design. And man, they nailed the character design down because yeah. every single character is. And they all have their own uh, style and look, but they're all uh, very similar to like, you know, like we were saying about the time frame. They all look similar in the time frame that they're supposed to be in. And it's just, uh, in my opinion, just top notch art. Yeah. And they, and they do the uh, art exploding out of the panel. They do the all those sort of various different styles and cuts and sizes of panels. They also go from very large art to very small, multiple paneled, detailed art. I love that. It's just, it never gets static or boring. It's constantly like, zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, exactly. It's, it's glorious. There's a, a single page splash, I think is my favorite, with um, them all just in this fight scene. And she's the one primarily doing the fighting, and they're standing back, going, "Oh my gosh, that girl can fight!" Um, yeah, with the uh, with the circle in the middle. Yes. And, uh, yeah, exactly. The it has circle these in the middle triangular the... cuts. To yeah. The oh. And, and like you're saying, a couple of them pop into other uh, into other panels, and it's just yeah, it's just a, a, a complete work of art. It's very yeah. beautiful. It's a, it's a workshop here of amazing comic book art. So. 
that's your pick for artist winner of the week and my uh, artist winner of the week was for it's a an artist named arabson which is kind of elusive i couldn't find arabson online or anything anywhere but it's for the longest title ever. The Terrible Elizabeth Dunn Against the Devils in Suits. That was my artist winner of the week. Is <laughs> <laughs> the longest title ever created. But uh, Arabson is the artist there. So my goodness. Uh, one thing that immediately jumped out to me in this art style, which feels to me like a blend of Jeff Darrow, which you got to look at Jeff Darrow stuff, and Crumb, old-timey artist Crumb, uh, because of some of the weird stuff that really stood out to me like the weird kind of puffy wrinkles and the puffy wrinkled lips on every character. Did you know? Did you notice that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think his name is uh, Arabson Aziz, I believe. I'm okay. not 100 percent on that, but um, yeah, the lips, the um, like you were saying, the crumb style is yeah. very present there. It's. Yes. Uh, I feel like it could be like the characters could be put on a <clears throat> put on like an old school, uh, you know, comic strip, like a like in a newspaper strip, and they'd still look cool. Yeah, do you notice that there's a scene... It does look like the setting is in Italy or something. I think it's Italy. And there's like a scene where people are in this kind of bar marketplace, which which uh, I've seen in, in places. I've been to Europe, but I've seen uh, videos of things where they sort of combine stores. It's like, it's a dance hall, it's a, it's a bar, and it's a market where they sell cheese, like all in the same sort of spot and there is a scene there and the way he draws like these women that you know have a lot of wrinkles and a lot of curves and and some of the women are rather large right it just has this this puffy cloudy like feel to some of the character design right yeah definitely like every uh, everybody has their own style and their own look and it's uh it's almost like uh normal you know going outside and you see you know so you see a tall guy see a short guy you see a bigger uh bigger person a smaller person you know it's very uh it's, it's very unique and original yeah like you also have very distinct sort of shapes to each character so that you never like oh who's that who's this which it means a lot to me when you can really quickly tell the difference between characters like there's one guy that has a really long kind of like a horse face like an elongated horse face and then the devil himself is like this older man with a tiny little head you know so yeah, like yeah <laughs> the, the shapes are so distinct and so very unique from themselves that it really kind of made things pop for me and made characters stand out to where I was like, oh, it's that guy, or oh, it's this lady, oh, it's that person. You never sort of questioned, you know, who is who. I've, I do that a lot. Do you ever do that in a comic where you're like, oh my gosh, is this that guy, or is this the... Maybe that shirt is a different color, or is this guy wearing a... It's a red-haired girl, but this girl has a green shirt, and this girl has a blue shirt, but their hair is still red. Do you ever do that in comics? I do. Yeah, all the time, and that kind of gets to me. Definitely, uh, it makes it hard for me to um, to keep my mind into the story when I'm kind of trying to figure out what character is what. Yes, well, you will not have that problem here with the terrible Elizabeth Dumb against the Devils in Suits issue number one from Image Comics. Uh, yeah. That is why Arabson uh, is our is my uh, artist winner of the week. So there's two fantastic artists for you right there to check out. My goodness, good stuff, right, Ian? Oh, absolutely. Yes, fan fantastic. So, uh, and the breakdown! Uh, I actually read 29 comics this week in my pull list, uh, which I think is the most I've had in years. That's so many comics. How what was how many did you have in your pull list this week? Oh, I think I was only at 22. Only. Still very respectable. It's a lot of comics, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 22 is a big week. And it... It just... it all They all kind of flew by this week. They seemed all to be like a really good week of comics, I feel. 
Yeah, definitely a solid week. Solid end. Yeah, that was two weeks in a row for me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's two. I, last week was 29 for you. Yeah. This week was 29 for me. So, I mean, this is a couple of very large weeks of comics. And uh, new number ones. I only had three this week, and one of them did make it to the top pick list. How many number ones did you have? Um, I think for me, I only had a uh, two. Okay, good. Any of them make it to the top pick list? Uh, definitely the um, bitter root for sure. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, we'll get into that. And make sure, of course, you, the listener, get those new number ones right from the beginning, so you can be in on that fun right from the start. So here we go now. Here are our top comic book recommendations of the week. This is our list of what we consider to be the best of the new comic books that just came out. New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, November 14th. We strongly recommend you go to your local comic book shop today and buy these. Right, Ian? Oh, yes. Please go to your LCS. Um, they need your business, and uh, we want to we want to keep uh, comic stores alive. So yes, and they will appreciate your business. And before we get into the top picks, we have a little something new to do. It's an honorable mention. Before we get into our top five, uh, you have the honorable mention of the week this week. What was your honorable mention? Uh, patience, conviction, and revenge from uh, Aftershock. Yes, from Aftershock Comics. All right, was it? A, it was issue number three. And uh, why don't you kind of start us off as to why this was your honorable mention of the week? Well, I definitely enjoy the art, but I think why it made my honorable mention is uh, the dialogue from Patrick Kindlin, the um, writer. Uh, He just, he's become one of my favorite writers. Who was the art on that one, by the way, as I'm pulling it up? (laughs) Oh, gosh, let me see. Oh, here it is. Marco Ferrari. Yeah. The owner of the uh, Ferrari business is what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) Colors from Patrizia Camino. Camino? Yeah. But uh, the the art is good. I definitely love the art. I'm not taking anything away from the art. But Patrick Kinlan to me is like one of the best at writing dialogue. He just knows, you know, when he gets the character in his head, he uh, plays them out exactly like uh, you would think. And the, uh, he's really good at the quick wit. Yes, so. he's got a very dense book here with this, right? It's there is a lot of it's very steeped in dialogue. It almost has this like kevin smith feel to it like some of his movies right it's very dialogue heavy but it's, it's very humorously designed and, yeah and also mixed into a very complicated comic can you give the gist of uh of of patience yeah i'm not sure if it is a post-apocalyptic or it just a um like a futuristic thing but they're in las vegas and uh it's very common for robots to be um you know, walking around and doing their thing. And yeah, um, it's really like visually uh, out there. Visually, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a lot to take in sometimes because you're like, oh, goodness, uh, like Las Vegas is even bigger and even brighter and even crazier. And there's robots everywhere. And it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a lot to unpack, like you were saying. But uh, boy, is it a fun ride. And I, I really enjoy it. If I could boil it down, I would say patience, conviction, revenge is about uh, this guy on kind of a revenge trip, right? He, he's coming out of living in the desert alone, going back into this crazy post-apocalyptic Las Vegas to, like, reclaim his birthright, of which may not have been the most legal, right? He, he was just this top-notch guy before and is not anymore and wants to, like, get his fortune back. Yeah, exactly. And he's, he's got it out for people, and he's uh, taking out his... He, he's got a meticulous plan, and he's starting to put it all in place. So. Yeah. 
with his hilarious uh, sidekick robot that just constantly is just busting his balls. Better the only yeah. way to describe it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Robot Paul is his name. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just uh well great. I'm glad uh you anything else to say about your this week's honorable mention from you? No, no, just uh, definitely check it out if you guys have uh if you guys have a uh, uh, liking for for anything crazy and fun. Yeah, I it for me, it's getting better and better as well. It hasn't made the great list, uh, but I'm glad you kind of honorably mentioned it because it seems to be getting better, and it's one that's on my pull list for sure. So maybe yeah. it'll make that great list uh, sometime very soon. Yeah, hopefully. All right, well, here we go. Let's break into the five great comic book picks this week that we're going to recommend to you. So here we go now. Starting in at number five is Star Wars Darth Vader issue number 23. And I got to tell you, Star Wars Darth Vader has been a multiple top pick of the week here at the Sunspots Comics podcast and multiple art winner, multiple cover artist winner, uh, and even just multiple top pick, not just the number one spot. So it's I've been preaching it to everyone that loves Star Wars for years that it's the best of the modern Star Wars comics. And Ian, I appreciate it, man. I know this wasn't on your pull list, but you gave it a read. What were your initial thoughts of this jumping in cold? I know you are a man of continuity and you like to read all the storyline, but you jumped in into 23. What did you think? Uh, Honestly, when I jumped in, I was expecting to be a little bit lost maybe, but they do a really good job at catching you up and they they make it easy for a new reader to jump right in. And I was kind of surprised, but it it was uh, really easy for me to get into. Yeah, I agree. It, it and it's it's not in the beginning or end of an arc. You're you're kind of right in the middle, but it, it Yeah, that's what surprised me about it, honestly. Um but the like I was saying the beginning they give you a quick rundown, you know, like the uh like scroll. the beginning of the movies, the scroll, yeah. The scroll. Yeah. It does a great recap and I am a big uh, proponent uh, person that loves recaps cuz I mean especially for folks like you and I that read 20 to 30 comics a week. I don't mind yeah. the little hey, just in case. This is what kind of happened last issue. I, they, they did it in the '60s. Stan Lee started that, and I love it. Yeah, definitely. It really helps me to. Uh, <clears throat> even if I remember, it just kind of helps me even more. Yes, you know? it helps reimmerse you right back into the world. Exactly, it gets you jumpstart you. You know. And you've got a fantastic writer on this, Charles Soule, uh, who has done recently Daredevil, a long run on Daredevil, which I absolutely love. Art by uh, uh, Kamen Coley, which, uh, uh, what was his first name? Giuseppe? Yeah, Giuseppe Kamen Coley. Love his stuff. He did Amazing Spider-Man for a really long time. So fantastic art. They've kept that team together also for a long time. Giuseppe is a very fast artist, so he's able to kind of stay as the number one. And uh, I, I'm, I'm skipping over, but there's a bonus picture at the end where uh, it's just a bonus picture, like maybe a random alternate alternate cover of uh, Darth Vader's uh, sort of standing there in flames. Did you see that at the very, very end uh, as you scroll through there? Um, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah the, honestly, I think you're right. He is a he is a really good artist, and the majority of this book looks really good. Right. I mean, there's not many panels where he tried to skimp at all. Not at all. It seems like he really had time. There's times where you could tell when an artist is a little bit rushed, I just don't feel like he's ever been rushed. He's been really consistent. And this, to give you the quick gist, there is this helmet of this dark uh, Jedi named Momin that the Emperor gave to Darth Vader and also told him to build your lair. And so he's picked the lava planet of Mustafar. 
and that's where he has uh, he Darth Vader knows there is this dark connection between the dark side of the Force. There is something there. It's like a beacon, if you will, for dark side energy. But at the same time, there's like this planet of these lava creatures and lava fleas that are all sort of existing there that aren't really enjoying that Darth Vader's coming in and uh, fracking uh, their land, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I probably wouldn't be too happy either, to be honest. No. And then Moment has the ability which no other Dark Jedi or even any Jedi for that matter has had, which is like possession. He can, he is only like this mask where his sort of spirit or entity isn't a mask, but he can sort of be like pop into other entities and take over their body. And I don't, we don't, they don't really show what happens to each body. But Darth Vader, uh, if he's not happy with how things are going, he does not of course hesitate to just choke you out you know <laughs> yeah yeah he'll just uh yep you're done you're done and <laughs> i've been i would i've been saying this too that this is establishing darth vader as you know the ultimate badass that we've never really seen do you are you do you, you know what i mean with that like do you get that sense too like wow they're building him up to be more of a badass than he actually sort of ends up to be like in the movies yeah a little bit definitely because uh the fight scenes in this are um yeah, he is uh, not to be <clears throat> not to be messed with, man. He he'll bring down the hammer real quick. Yeah, and they're trying to build the right sort of dark evil dark side of the force fortress for Darth to be able to harness this this dark energy. And what without spoiling, of course, what a fantastic cliffhanger ending, right? That they're building these constant structures, but what a twist at the end, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely a good <laughs> twist, and <clears throat> it makes me wonder uh, where the rest of where the rest of this uh, story arc is going to go. I might end up having to check it out again. Awesome. Was it good enough to make you want to read previous issues? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, definitely. Sweet. Well, good. Then uh, my work is done. I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> see you later. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> well, that's great because I've been I've been like I said, just gushing and preaching over Darth Vader for so long. So that's our number five pick of the week. And coming in at number four is Bitter Root, issue number one. This is from Image Comics, and this is by the collective team of creators David F. Walker, Chuck Brown, Sanford Green, and then given the cover artist and artist credit is Sanford Green and Jero Wimberly. So this was your top pick of the week. This was also your artist winner of the week. So why don't you start and tell us a little bit about Bitter Root. Well, like we were saying when we were talking about the art, it's basically, uh, you know, it's like fighting monsters in the 20s, right? Yeah. So it's uh, <clears throat> it's like Ghostbusters meets the swing era, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. But it's um, it's mo- mostly based through an a- African-American family, and mm-hmm. through, uh, through them is where the ghost busting happens. And... Uh, or to demon, me, demon busting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the demon, the <laughs> or demon fight. And they call them Jeru's, I think. Yeah, um, but I think a Jinnins. lot of this. Yeah, I think a lot of this has to do with um, with a little bit of African American culture, which yes. I, I really think that's important that we get a little bit of a variety in the kind of uh, stuff that we that we're reading, you know. And it's good to have representation and to see a different side of things and to see the African-American folklore and stuff like that has just been really awesome. And I I really enjoy it. 
I totally agree. And you know what kind of hooked me into it was reading the back matter at the end of the comic. There's an essay uh, from John Jennings. He is a professor of media and cultural studies at UC Riverside, which, by the way, I don't live very far away from. I'm very close to that university. Oh, I may, have to, I may have to go visit him and have him autograph Bitterroot number one. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, that would be cool. He did a giant essay in the back about that very thing and even talks about Afrofuturism, uh, which is an old term, and that sort of stands for like the the expression of art for African-American artists and sort of how it's changed to now this new Afrofuturism 2.0. And it's a very in-depth, very interesting article about his study upon this. And John Jennings read the comic ahead of time because he also talks about why uh, he really feels this, this comic book is so interesting and different because it does uh, allow African-American creators, which I'm, they don't lay out that they are that, but John Jennings is talking about that expression and how it, how it is infused to Bitterroot. So... Uh, if they're not, if these creators are not African American, great. They they tapped into it. You know what I mean? According to Mr. John Jennings here. Yeah, and I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And and I also feel like it's refreshing. And you know, I'm a white guy, so wait, you are? Don't you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you couldn't tell in my proper voice, right? Uh, but it, it's just refreshing. You know, there's only so much uh, Thor that I can read until it's like, okay, I want something a little bit different. You know. Sure. And I feel like there's a there's a rise of this from uh, Juke Joint to um, MCMCLLV to uh, a few others that are definitely that expression of that uh, of, of various things in you know African American culture and so on. It's it seems to be there's four or five titles right now that are that are up and that are really good. Yeah, really good. In fact, uh, I think we'll find out a little bit later, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I thought this was a wonderful issue. It gives you a gist into the family of these demon fighters, ultimately. And there is another family of people that are demons but are using this this fluid to change them or keep them uh, in, in, in normal human form. But they're having difficulty with that. And so they, they want that technology. They want the juice, the Jinu juice from this, this family. Uh, because they ultimately catch demons and then trap them on their roof and give them the Jinu juice, right? It's like gin and juice. It's Jinu juice. <laughs> um, and that sort of turns them back to human and then they set them free, it looks like? Yeah, I think so. Kind of a twist at the end, but I think they let him go. <laughs> well, that was my favorite part part of this. Of uh, Again, we're talking about Bitterroot, issue number one. Was when they they go into the swamp to set the 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 Jinu's free that they that were demons and now they're regular people again like in this sort of swamp or something at one point and then the police are there and they and this is in the 20s so they see these African American people with you know carrying white people and initially the, their thoughts are you know we must kill all these black, what do these black people do to these white people they they jump right to you know you're doing bad and that's that's where you can definitely see a but a bit of how things were back then you know you couldn't just be a black person walking around with a white person on your shoulder right yeah yeah i mean probably couldn't today either but definitely yeah. more so in the past <laughs> you just immediately be shot and that's kind of what the cops have sort of no choice or they what they feel they have no choice to do and start shooting them and uh and you know and then the other thing that they do another sequence my second favorite if you will but this isn't giving away too much is uh you know there's a there's Ku Klux Klan members that that are about to lynch a black person, and uh, and sort of a 
and things go awry, thankfully, right? But that was crossing into an area of, oh my gosh, like that's not something we see in comics. And yet, wow, they really got to express it and go there, right? Yeah, and it was, uh, <clears throat> it was a little bit of, I don't know, I don't want to say, it surprised me a little bit, but I probably shouldn't have. If that makes any sense? Yeah, because it's set in this era very realistically in the 20s. Yeah, exactly. And it was really, uh, it's really painful to see, but it's it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. And even that, that article, the essay at the back goes to talk about how um, African-American artists, black artists uh, will, how they do their villains as, you know, a, a normal white person. And, and there's a little bit of how that, that how they come about that villainy and, and how it, how they're drawn in art because of things that, you know, that, that African-Americans have gone through, you know, in, in the last hundred years, you know what I mean? So he talks about that, 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 that over the top villainy aspect, you know what I mean? To vilify, uh, at times, um, you know, things that they went through. That was what was happening to them. So of course there'll be a vilification if that's a word. I don't know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it definitely crosses some boundaries, right? It's it's definitely a little jaw dropping and shocking. But it is demons and a family fighting demons and healing demons too, not just killing them. And you got to check out Bitterroot. It's just great stuff. It's Ian's artist winner of the week and your number one top pick. And it's a great number one. I definitely added it to my pull list. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Check out Bitterroot issue number one. And now here we go, now into the top three comic books of the week. So here we go. Coming in at number three is MCMLXXV, issue number three. (laughs) This is from uh, Image Comics, and this is written by Joe Casey and wonderful art uh, from Ian McEwan. I think that's how you pronounce his name, right? M-A-C-E-W-A-N, McEwan? That's how I spell my name is Ian Uh so okay. yeah, I would I would assume. Or it's spelled like Mace Wan, his last name. But yeah, yeah, that's how I kind of want to say it, right? Maybe it's McEwen. But this was a top pick of the week, folks. Number one, this was an artist winner of the week and a cover artist winner of the week in the past. MCMLXXV, which stands for 1975 in Roman numerals, was fantastic. And this was kind of the end of the first arc, which is only the third issue. What did you think of that? Kind of wrap it up kind of quickly. Yeah, kind of... Um... It kind of threw me off a little bit, but the issue itself, uh, it, it does the first two issues justice, you know, and they, they do a good job of wrapping it up. The um, the whole end sequence, it yeah. all makes sense. It all comes together really well. It, it uh, uh, Ian Mason, McQuan. Sorry, Ian. Ian does a great job <laughs> with the art. It is... Uh, it's one of those ones where he doesn't skimp on a single stroke of the pencil or the the ink. He, it's just amazing from front, front to back. Yes, and it almost looks photo reference, like how he makes New York look in 1975. It looks like photo accurate. Even just yeah. the way the water towers on the top of buildings, sort of the purplish hue to everything in the city to kind of just give it this this eerie luminescence and with moonlight kind of being your primary uh, lighting device, which at at times lights up this lightning rod of a tire iron that our main character carries. Uh, It's just striking art, right? Yeah. And it's um, for the most part, it's kind of like a muted color until uh, things kind of pop off like that. And then it's like a, like a bright, like popping, like in your face color that, 
like the coloring contrast is done just uh really well and uh uh the yeah the um the period time piece again i think these with these last two um the way that they capture this this uh the feel of the city and stuff is just oh man it's top notch one way that to accentuate on your point to to drive it home is the the radio disc jockey that's that has little moments of where the DJ is actually describing this this crazy these crazy demon events that are going on, but it sets the timepiece right. It's in the vernacular of the 1970s of a you know a, an African American DJ, if you will. It's like shut up, you dig. You know, it's like it's just bringing that sort of uh, early hip hop sensibility to his vernacular. You know. Yeah, yeah, with a little bit of a like jive. Uh, yeah, the jive, jive turkey feel. Yeah, exactly. Sets it so perfectly, and I don't know. I'm I'm a sucker for those little moments like that which i don't think we see much of right it's like a radio dj sort of narrating in the middle of it it's almost like a it's like take a pause real quick brother let me tell you about the you know the happenings of miss and she just goes into the the dj goes into that story and it's like i hear it in my head and i hear 70s funk music at the same time which is kind of uh, which i had playing in in my household with my mom loved all that stuff and earth wind and fire and and so on and the you know the the commodores that were just it was playing in our house when i was a little kid so this is just like running through my head and it again all uh hats off to joe casey and ian McEwen for setting that time period so appropriately right yeah definitely and that's uh that's exactly the feel i get too i get that that 70s uh i call it like the strut you know where they kind of sure uh uh, the swimming when you walk type uh, feel. It's Mr. Jefferson. Remember, you remember that old show and how yeah, he walked. Yeah, exactly. But that swing used to swing his hands behind his, when he walked. It's just that swagger. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And it's that. That to me is like a big '70s thing, you know. And it they capture it really well. It's amazing. It's like a Shaft movie, but Shaft is a girl with this tire iron that glows with lightning, <laughs> yep. and then yep. and demons, right? And also centered around like the taxi driving world. Because it's very, that's like the person that raised her, uh, you know, it, it was driving a, a cab, you know, the old yellow cabs and the the boss that, that lets her do her thing because she's able to get her fares where they need to go in areas where demons are and these crazy gangs. Remember all the like the Tarantino-esque kind of gangs that were all mixed into this with different colors? Yeah, yeah. And the, um, that's another thing where it's like, oh, man, that is very very uh, uniquely 70s all yes. these character designs yes this seems like a tarantino film like this need to, this needs to happen right he needs to it has that feel yeah i could see it but it wraps up so nicely i'm surprised that it wraps up in 3 but it seems like this was a lot more pages than it really was uh, and and I don't know how they pulled that off, but it's just great pace and storytelling and fun and magical demon crossing over into our world mixed with its 1975 and primary woman character that's a badass shaft with her magical tire iron. That's MCMLXXV uh, <laughs> or 1975, right? Loved it. Yeah, I had to. I had to Google it. I won't lie. <laughs> yeah. It was the opening issue, thankfully. They kind of laid it out, and they also said this, the initial song that the DJ goes over is a song that came out in 1975, so I pieced it together because of that song. I just looked the uh-huh. song up. Yeah, I found it on accident. I was like, oh, that song came out in 1975. Ah, MCMLXXV. There could have been a better title, I guess, but I guess it kind of stands out, right? 
Yeah, you know, on the um, on the cover, it looks really cool. So right. <laughs> there you yeah. go. The font used, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, coming in at number two is the <laughs> the longest title in comic book history, <laughs> the, the terrible Elizabeth Dumb. Against the Devils in Suits, issue number one. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a continued series. They call it issue number one. Uh, this is from, by the way, Image Comics. This is, again, uh, the artist winner of the week, my artist winner of the w- week pick, but with Arabson. And uh, this is uh, written and drawn, script and art, from Arabson. And uh, what did you think of this? What was your early impressions of the terrible Elizabeth Dumb Against the Devils in Suits, number one? Uh, you know... Uh... When I first looked at it, just the cover and everything, uh, and which is probably why uh, I had to go back and look again, was it just didn't really catch my eye. Mm-hmm. But once I got into the meat of it and the story started to unfold, I was like, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I almost passed this up. You're like, this meat is good. Yes, like this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh, this story is incredible. And even it kind of st- the way that it starts off is like. Uh, it's it starts off with uh, the devil coming to this guy's house to kind of reclaim uh, something that that is owed to him, you know. And yes. the first few pages, I was like, "Oh wow!" And just, uh, <laughs> oh man, I dug in and I didn't stop. And you were right; the sixty some odd pages went by like like you know twenty. Yes, sixty eight pages, and it went by in a blink. I mean, there it wasn't super heavily dialogued. I would say it was in the medium area of dialogue, but. It just paced so well, and it just kept going. Action sequences, very little dialogue, and just really played out in these badass fight scenes. Uh, gist of it, real quick. It's the uh, the, the the devil. Uh, his his deal comes due. It has a bit of that the old movie called Crossroads, uh, or even the song Devil Went Down to Georgia. It's just kind of <laughs> it reminds me of those sort of two things, right? Set in like Italy, I think, or somewhere in Europe. It feels. Yeah, I wasn't 100% on that either, um, but definitely felt European of some sort. Uh, maybe South American even. Yeah, who knows, huh? It, I guess it, 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 it actually, the setting plays a little bit of a, of a character piece because it does have this European feel, like I said, as those combi- like this combined store is there and just some of the, the way the design like a, of the main uh, very rich person that we meet at the very beginning is kind of this Italian Palazzo feel to it. So some great design there, amazing. Like this Arabson person has spent some time uh, around the world, or is great with using visual references online, whatever. But um, I just thought it was a very perfect balance of dialogue and action, and stunning, stunning art. And uh, we talked about the you, you definitely saw the the Jeff Darrow feel, and with this wrinkly, puffy lips uh, and crumb, right? It just it just has that, and uh, you, you saw that right off the bat, right? Oh yeah, especially for me, Crumb really comes to mind. Yeah, uh, just the um, the uniqueness to it, you know. The wrinkles on everything and everyone, right? Yeah, and the facial expressions and stuff. Uh, kind of actually more in depth facial expressions, I would say. Yeah, I agree. And the shapes that were used in these characters always tells you who you're looking at. But ultimately, there is this man that makes a deal with the devil. To give away one of his children if he becomes a, a rich person, he's like, give, you know, makes a deal with the devil, make me rich, and you can have one of my kids. <laughs> and so the devil comes a knocking, you know, he's like, "Hey, uh, I came to collect on your child. I'm here to take yeah. your kid." 
<laughs> yeah, you remember that promise you made about 20 years ago? Here right. we are. So this guy tries to weasel his way into not taking his firstborn son, but to take the the sort of recluse, uh, rebel, um, sort of a unique individual character with the spunk and grittiness that's been sent away to like this very odd boarding school. Like, please take my my secondary daughter. And he's trying to sell it to the devil. Like, well, here's why. You know, she's unique in her own way, this Elizabeth Dumb. You know, I love that sequence, right? Where he's just trying to talk to the devil. Look, don't take my firstborn son. But how about my daughter? She's not as good. Right, but but you'll like her, right? You'll like her. <laughs> she's just full of devilry and mischief. You know, right up your alley, right? Well, he's somehow in this conversation, which isn't a heavy, in-depth conversation. Um, you, know, you, th- you think what happened in 68 pages. But he convinces him, right? He's like, mm, okay, all right, I'll, I guess I'll leave your son alone. I'll take the daughter. But he has this conversation with the son, so intense, right? And, and nervous at that in this conversation with that son that he's not going to take. You remember that little sequence? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the <clears throat> there's a f- the there's a few uh, scenes like that that are just kind of intense, and um, you don't even feel it until. You're done reading, and you're like, oh, yeah, I got to breathe. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. It it, it just keeps going. And I, I also love the sequence, too, where this horrible boarding school that they send her to. She was probably only 16 in this, right? I think she mentions she, uh, that she's two years younger than her 18-year-old brother. Yeah. And um, this boarding school they send her to, which just seems like she's just tortured and beaten. But at the same time, the mom sort of knew about this deal with the devil and sent her to the appropriate school to train her in the day that would come due, which, like, she knew that the husband would sell out and try to keep the son and sell out and give the daughter to the devil, right? Yeah, and uh, that was kind of a that was kind of like a midway twist where I was like, oh, okay, so maybe maybe it's not all lost for her, you know? Exactly, and and you turn around in our liking of this character, you go from. Oh gosh, she's sixteen and rolling her eyes and blah to everything, right? To where you're yeah. like, oh no, they were just preparing her. They wanted her to be strong and be ready for when the devil comes, you know, to take her to hell to pay to pay the debt. Yeah, because either way, you're gonna if you're gonna fight or go to hell, you you need to uh, you need to be strong and be able to. Uh, hold your own you know yeah and the ways of magic as well and fighting demons and so on like it was all sort of there you know what it reminded me of it reminded me of like the karate kid where she was learning but not really knowing she's learning and preparing you know it's like wax the car and she yeah. was just you know and sand the floor you know and and uh, paint the fence it seemed like it was a little bit of that uh, going on in this horrible uh you know boarding school to where she was actually learning to fight demons you know I love that, love that, love that. Did you dig? I thought that uh, every fight sequence in this was just stunning. It just it went on in great detail. A lot of slow motion moments with punches and speed up moments, you know, that were just you know fast and kinetic. I just absolutely looked at the fight scenes three or four times. Yeah, actually, um, there were a lot of scenes like that. Not just the fight scenes, but some of the like, uh, you know, the more uh, nuanced scenes where they were. Uh, like in the beginning when they were, when the uh, father and the devil were talking, uh, there were some scenes with the, um, when she meets the guitar player. Yes. Uh, yeah, there were just, there were some really, really amazingly laid out panels in this. 
And I love the guitar player. He definitely has that crossroads, right? A feel to it, that old movie starring Ralph yeah. Macchio. Speaking of Karate Kid. Um, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he um, is like this blues guitarist that also made a deal with the devil and uh, is an interesting kind of partnership there when he meets uh, Elizabeth. And uh, we've said too much, right? But, I mean, what's going to happen? Is the devil going to take Elizabeth um, Is she with this new partner, of this jazz guitarist? You know, what's going to happen? There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of... A lot of conniving. It's just, I mean, I so enjoyed this. I loved it from beginning to end. Oh, yeah. I second that. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, like we were saying, 60 pages never goes quicker. No. And I, I, that says a lot, really. It says volumes to why the terrible Elizabeth Dumb against the devils in suits is fantastic. And you got to get it. Got to get it now. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, here we go now. Now we are on to our number one comic book pick of the week. It's the big one, the big kahuna, the top dog. Here we go. The number one comic book pick of the week this week is Murder Falcon, issue number two. And this is from Image Comics. This is written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson uh, with, uh, with colors by Mike Spicer, one of my favorite artists of all time. Would you agree? Is he on your top list? Yeah, and uh, I'm very embarrassed to say that I passed on this when it first came out, and you got me to read it, and uh, it instantly jumped to my number one. Yes, love. I love when that happens, yes. Yeah, I am very, very uh, ashamed to say that I passed on something. I'll never pass on another Daniel Warren Johnson ever again. Well, hey, man, I, I, it happens, right? There's so many comics, and sometimes things slip through the cracks, and even through some of our favorite creators, it just somehow we get we get mixed up in all the new comics, right? So it happens to all of us, man. Don't be so hard on yourself, and you're welcome. I'm glad I forced it back onto you, and you found it <laughs> <Right>. again. <laughs> well, and I was able to call my um, comic store, and I got uh, I have it digitally, and then I got number one and two waiting for me at my comic store. So nice. I'll, I'll be caught up after this. I bought both. Uh, A and B covers, which I don't do very often for Murder, Murder Falcon issue number one. Thank you to Jeremy at Comic Madness, by the way, in Ontario, California. Jeremy, by the way, told me a very personal reason why he loves Murder Falcon, uh, personal to him himself, and that even reading the comic kind of choked him up with tears. And that happened to me a little bit as well before I even heard Jeremy's story. But uh, thanks again, Jeremy, for holding aside those two covers of Murder Falcon. Again, shout out to Jeremy at Murder at uh, Murder at uh, <laughs> at Comic Madness in Ontario. Thanks, Jeremy. But um, yeah, I uh, I I I have them holding issue number two for me as well. But again, it's like issue number one. By the way, was top uh, pick of the week. It was number one. It was com- it was cover artist uh, winner and artist winner of the week. But I thought number two brought it up a notch. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. And, uh, man, I part of the reason why I passed is I thought, oh, it's just going to be a silly, um, you know, a silly uh, fight book where it's just going to be, you know, nothing but this, this falcon kicking people's butts. And, <laughs> boy, I was so wrong. Right. There's, this I mean... comic has depth, and I just didn't see that coming. So much depth. I mean, at the core of it, yes, Jake and Murder Falcon are getting the band back together to save the world from monsters with their rock metal in particular, right? <laughs> but those little sprinklings of those flashbacks to something that happened to Jake in his life with the illness of the, his, uh, his, the love of his life there just crushes your heart, right? 
Oh man, it it vice grips it for sure. Right, we all have someone that we love and we hold on to them so dearly and Jake has to deal with like the loss of this person and it's sort of it's who he is, it's infused into him. No matter what they're sort of doing, right? With with killing monsters with metal, it, like it, it, he'll just have a moment where he's just like, "Oh, he thinks of her," you know. And I, I, I anyone that's dealt with heavy amount of lo- losing someone they love has to live that way forever, right? Yeah, and it's tough, you know. And it's a, uh, it's hard to shine a light on that and still be like entertaining, which is uh, something that he does. Uh, Warren Johnson, man, I like I said, I won't skip anything from him again because not just. <laughs> Not just the art, but the writing is is really on point. Well, hey, mention the deep cut that you brought to my attention, which I missed. It was a few years ago, but Donnie Cates and Daniel Warren Johnson did together. What was the name of that title that you recommend, which I haven't read yet, but throw it out there. What was it called? Oh, uh, Ghost Fleet. Yes. Can you give me yeah. the quick gist of it? Because I don't even know what it's about, but it's Donnie Cates and Daniel Warren Johnson. What's the quick gist on it? Uh, well, it starts off uh, as like a like a special ops type team that um drive a big rig mm-hmm. so they're kind of like uh they're kind of like a special ops delivery drivers you know like uh <clears throat> like uh, uh special package type type things but okay. with big rigs um it kind of starts taking twists and turns the farther you get into the the little uh series i think it's about five or just one five or six um single or it's one big trade but uh okay. yeah once you start getting into it and you get in about halfway or more it starts taking some really crazy twists and turns which i wouldn't want to wouldn't want to spoil anything for anybody but uh daniel warren johnson's art is just fantastic and of course you know donny cates is just crazy so anything he writes is going to be fun yeah one of my favorite two of my favorite creators together ghostfully yeah i'm, I'm gonna check it out you should too thanks for that but again going back to murder falcon I think uh, these action sequences where they're fighting monsters uh, with with rock music is just some of the best stuff. It's so much fun, so beautifully drawn in these in such giant fashion. Daniel Warren Johnson, of course, kinetic art with a lot of his speed lines. I'll call them. I don't even think that's a way to describe it really, but he they they have this connection with this other world, whereas like people that are amazing with instruments. Uh, have this sort of they connect to them and have this power and that's why they occasionally come to our world because they can partner together that's the long story of how the rock metal power works and it fuels the murder falcon and just gives him power and strength and the multiple flying fists at times when he just lays down some some tracks i always hear van halen in my head with this i know it's not metal per se i hear a little metallica but for some reason i hear eddie van halen's guitar in my head when this is going on yeah, I think I kind of gravitate towards the uh, Metallica and Megadeth and, uh, okay. you know, the big hair bands and sure. like, may- maybe some 80s stuff, you know. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. But it's all there, right? Like I, uh, these some of these sequences, it just, it, 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 it's just awesome where, like, the bass player comes in and we realize, like, what that in, in, it mixes into Murder Falcon's powers, that they have a bass player now. Like, you know, it's uh, not too many spoilers, but it's like a woolly mammoth because they have the bass player playing bass notes, right? So what's yeah. next when they have the drummer, you know, or they have the exactly. keyboardist? Like, what, how much, what's going to happen? It seems like also the power of these demons, or demons, or monsters, that are destroying Earth from this rip 
uh, in in the sky between these two universes. It seems like they're growing in power constantly. These monsters are getting bigger. They're getting tougher to kill. So again, that like times so perfectly with putting the whole band together. It's like a must, right? Yeah, and I kind of I'm really excited because you know the bass makes sense being a mastodon because you're just laying down these heavy fat bass lines that are. <laughs> You know, <laughs> heavy fat, heavy fat, mastodon, yeah, woolly mammoth, yeah. boom, fantastic yeah, so what's creation. We're gonna be. What's the spirit animal of the drummer? You know, what is it? Right? Yeah, it's gonna be like a rhino or something. No. Maybe a giant <laughs> rhino. <laughs> something that just smashes a lot and crushes. You know, right? I can't wait. But it's it's just so much fun. It does have these vulnerable moments from this character dealing with some major loss in his life, but at the same time, it's just rock-infused action with, uh, you know, them using the, the power of metal to defeat these monsters. And, and you know, I, I like that you can give it a quick elevator pitch, right? That's It does have a simple sort of design, but at the same time, sprinkled in with those vulnerable moments of what he's dealing with and how the band's slowly coming together. It's just, it's heartwarming, and it's lovely, and it's action-packed, and it's just metal, straight up, right? Yeah, probably the most metal thing I've seen since uh, DC's metal. <laughs> you there <know>? you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just I adore it, and it's it seems it's getting better. We're only on issue two, so get Murder Falcon, folks. It's fantastic. It gives we get our our stamp, our seal of approval, right, Ian? Oh, hundred percent, man. I'm there. Hundred percent, percent. Just rock out with it. It's just a great time. But uh, but there you go. Those are our new comic book recommendations for this week for New Comic Book Day, November 14th. Let me lock the vault door. Please go to a local comic book shop and buy these comics immediately. You'll be super happy that you did. Right, Ian? Oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, there's no way you can go wrong with any of these picks, especially uh, Murder Falcon, man. Ooh, it's fun. Wholeheartedly agree, my friend. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or you'd like a personal comic book recommendation, please email me directly to chris at sunspotscomics.com or to you, Ian. What's your email? Uh, ebombs at gmail.com. And to see the Sunspots Comics universe encapsulated in one place with all my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com, click on the pull list. You'll see the just updated 101 comic book titles that I'm currently reading. Do you have any idea, Ian, what your current pull list is up to? Uh, not particularly, but I think it's up over a hundred. Um, I think I'm yeah, yeah hundred and ten or something. But some some yeah. of the ones that that I've done were you know short, maybe one through <clears throat> one through six or something like that. So right, I try to constantly sculpt it and stay on top of it because man, it can just get out of control. But it's already at a hundred one, which is a lot. And you it sounds like you got me beat by a few. Um, but uh, check that out there. Also, click on the top comic books of the week to see all of the past comic book top picks it's all there it's a website i'm very proud of i update it every single week please check out sunspotscomics.com and sign up for our newsletter at sunspotscomics.com slash contact and hey would you like some free comic books well from time to time as a thank you to the listener yourself i give away free marvel digital comic book codes in past sunspots comics podcasts and there are still some unclaimed codes available just listen to past sunspots comics podcasts that are on our feed grab that marvel digital code that i usually read around the beginning of the podcast take that code go to marvel.com slash redeem and then punch it in see if you won the comic it's that easy so free comic books from us as a thank you go get them and good luck also thank you to our sponsor cryptid zoo my buddy Julian makes these handmade, awesome, augmented reality t-shirts based on cryptozoology. Have you seen his stuff in Cryptozoo? 
Yeah, I've uh, been to his website and I see one shirt in particular that I really like. That's the Seattle skyline with a, a huge squid coming out of the sky to, you know, kind of attack it or something. But yeah, there's some really cool t-shirts on here. Nice. Send me uh, your size and your color. I'll, I'll talk to Julian see at Cryptid Zoo, see if I can get you one. Yeah. Uh, and what you do is you get your smartphone and this HP Reveal app, and you put them together, and you point it at your shirt, and the shirt will come to life. It's so cool. you got to see it. Most importantly, go to CryptidZoo.com and use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS, and you'll get 25% off your order. So check them out. It's CryptidZoo.com. And please tune in next week for issue number 184 of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where we'll be reading 15 new comics on my pull list. What do you have for next week? Do you know yet, Ian? How many? Oh, I haven't looked yet. No, I need to do that. Nice. Well, uh, you know, I like to give everybody a heads up so they know kind of what's coming for next podcast. So 15 for me for New Comic Book Day, November 21st. And there are three new number ones coming out. Any idea how many number ones you got yet? Um, not really, but anything that's on image, I'm sure I'm picking that up. Yeah, me too. I'm always in for that. But three new number ones, so I hope to check them all out, and I hope they're great. But I'm going to read them all, and we're going to tell you about just the great ones, so you can save some time and save some money. That's what the Sunspots Comics Podcast is all about. Right, Ian? Absolutely. So please help us out. Tell a nerdy loved one, someone you love that's into nerdy stuff, check out the Sunspots Comics Podcast. And if you would be so nice... Please give us five-star review with some friendly words, positive words on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. I'll give you a shout-out on a future podcast. I'll read the review, and I'll even mail you a comic book prize pack as a small token of my appreciation. And by the way, every link, every website, everything we discussed is on the podcast notes and all of my social media at Sunspots Comics. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the Sunspots Comics podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it. And please... Now, go spend some quality time with the ones you love by reading comic books together. Ian, have you gotten Amber to read any comics with you? Yeah, she's uh, got into a saga. Cool. Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn doing a good job with saga. She's gotten into a few other things from uh, Fantagraphics and some other uh, you know, small press stuff. Indie stuff, nice. So far, I've only got my wife on Walking Dead. That's all she'll read so far. I can't get her to... I've tried and sprinkle in a hey, few things. that's a good start, you know? It's a good start, right? But... Uh, Anyway, be like water, my friends, and to to be be continued. continued. (laughs) See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. start with aloha which is weird because it's aloha and hello i don't know where i came up with that i don't know why i do it but it's me so what can i say what do you think of that is that weird
No, I like it. <laughs> All right. Like you said, it's unique. Yeah, whatever. You know, again, that's, a, I think, my desire to be a radio person or something. Here we go.